0: Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cleep. And on today's episode, we have returning guest, Stuart Brower. Now, if you've been in the gym space for quite a while, you've definitely heard his name. He came up in the micro gym space, built up his business, ended up buying his property, leasing it out, talks a lot about real estate, but he also is the founder of WTF Gym Talk. What I love about this is so the guys as obsessed with the business of fitness as I am. He goes around, talks to different gym owners, talks to different business models, and tries to understand what is making them successful. Today, we dive into a variety of different subjects, including buffers between classes. We talk about his upcoming, or his desire with tempo training, of course, utilization rate, and we finish off with this idea of asking yourself this simple question. Is it good for your business? Is it good for your clients? And Is it good for your coaches? That's a great way to look through that lens when making decisions for your business. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Stu. Let's keep getting after it in our gyms. Let's keep getting after it in our business, and let's get after it right now. Let's go. Let's talk about. Let's talk about whatever. Let's um, talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. Um, hey Stu, I, I uh, do. We were just we were just riffing back and forth on a bunch of different things, and. Uh, one of the questions I had for you, I was actually talking to Gabe about this the other day. I'm curious, have you ever seen a model, other models that don't start their classes on the hour? So we started implementing where you had a 10 minute break in between classes, and I've actually gotten a lot of benefit from that. Have you seen any other models that take specific breaks in between classes?
1: Yeah, in the micro gym and for, you know, micro gym slash the boutique space, uh, there's a play of models that'll start uh, off the hour. So it might start at maybe 5.30 and they go 50 minutes. The class is done at 50 minutes and it leaves a 10-minute buffer for the next class. What the, what you see the really good sales models do, the, the brands that know that they've got to be given a quick little tour, they got to be talking to the prospect, they do two things. They create a buffer between classes because anyone who doesn't do that knows like if you run two minutes over and you have no buffer, it's yep. a real shitty client experience. That's right. number one. Number two... They limit the amount of prospects per class that can attend. Anyone who's tried to sell five people who are trying out the gym for the first time and all five don't know each other. They're just five random leads who all wanted to come to 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday. That is a shitty, shitty experience for the salesman trying to be like, okay, all these new people, come on over. You don't know each other, but let me pitch you all real quick. So they limit to prospects, generally two is the, the, the highest number I've seen done successfully at even the best sale, the F45s, the OTFs, stuff like that. And they give themselves a 10 to 15 minute buffer between class. But the problem is, and I know we mentioned it, if you still go a 60 minute class with a 10 to 15 minute buffer, you are now cannibalizing the available sellable hours of the gym. And I believe most of us spend too much time, like there's so much wasted time in the average, like if there's a CrossFit or a barbell based gym right now, like stopwatch it. There's no reason to bring people to a whiteboard and talk at them for five minutes. They come in, start the warm up, and while they're warming up around you, talk about the workout. Have the workout on yeah. display on TVs, on 80-inch fucking TVs that everyone can see so you don't have to bring people to a whiteboard. We all did that early on because I think we were more like, look all the cool shit I know. I'm going to educate all you peons right now that have come to me after your, you know, your nine-to-five job. I think we do that. And it's not necessary. Just choose up time.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that we've done 45 minute classes. We've done shorter duration classes. We've tried 30 minute. We've done 45. We've done whatnot. I, I agree with you fully on, on these two notes, but the first one being there needs to be some type of gap where the coach can engage with, with, uh, current members, uh, future members or the members coming in. I, I, I didn't realize it until I realized it where like you'd have a 6am class that ended hypothetically at seven. And then you had a 7 a.m. class that started at 7. And the goal would be you you provide, um, you know, 60 minutes of value for each person that comes in. I mean, that's what they're paying for. That's the expectation. The thing is, though, it never really works out that way because when the 6 a.m. is leaving, they feel like they're just getting rushed out. It's really difficult. And then you have the 7 a.m. coming in. You have the parking congestion. And so I like this idea of creating – uh, this like kind of buffer between classes. Now you're recommending, or what you're saying is hypothetically, you could get an hour's work of work done in 50 minutes, giving that 10 minute buffer. I think as long as you set the expectation, that's a 50 minute class, I think that's all good. And the other idea is this uh, amount of prospects, I think is key. One of the things that we do, and we just started doing this post COVID, was taking reservations. And man, I was so against it, Stu. I was so against it. And it has been, Incredibly valuable for our business, so I'm glad we brought those two up. Those are those are two things that I think are really important right now in the micro gym, uh, micro gym space. Yeah,
1: I mean, you think about your member management software; it only does two things. It allows people to schedule a class and it does billing it, and it does reporting like shitty, but it's all it does. So when these gyms are like, yeah, I don't even really use the scheduling thing. I'm like, then you're just literally running billing software. Like you could pay, pay simple or way less. You'd be paying way less money if you're not going to use these features that the push presses of the world and all the, all these companies, Mariana techs and, and mind bodies have put into the software.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, so what do you think is the sweet spot? What do you think is the sweet spot for a class? You think it's 50 minutes? You think it's 45? You think it's an hour? What do you think?
1: So I can, I can only speak to my, like my last, you know, at urban movement, my thing was, I no longer want, like we had, we, we, I couldn't chew up the time to having just dedicated strength work. We built, like, if you want to do strength training, it was done in the workout, like the actual, because our workouts were really long. And that's why, like, we always, every class has two options. Okay, guys, here's today's workout. It's all on the screens. And you either go with a strength bias for your workout today or you go with conditioning. Strength means, and there was a number, there's like uh, five hand release power cleans or 12 conditioning was obviously doing 12 unbroken five was doing it where that fourth and fifth one was a fight and it was just done in the mecon essentially in the actual workout it wasn't like dedicated five sets of five prior and then you had a workout weight we allowed you to get it done within there and for my average person i believe Just like you can see even like at the CrossFit Games where you guys are running in from fucking some run and doing pull-ups and then you have to build to a max. Like those are workouts we've seen in, in gyms, right? Where the strength training, there was a strength element like maximal like in the fucking workout itself in the open and shit like that. I just thought like, okay, why can't I just build that in? Because all I'm trying to do is scratch someone's itch for strength training. I want someone to leave my class, say, I don't need to go to the YMCA or the Planet Fitness Now and pump some iron or go do some bro curls because I feel like I didn't get enough strength work today. I wanted each of them to pick because there were some clients, they never wanted to do any strength work. They always chose the conditioning. They wanted the higher volume, higher burn. Some people wanted that more that CNS zap of hitting a wrap and send it down or hitting several reps or whatever it may be. So we just gave them that option and built it in the class, shaved 12 minutes off our timeline. And now we were able to go with 50 minute classes.
0: So, and right now, I mean, now that you, you know, cause urban movement, you kind of yeah. Retired from that. Ret- uh, yeah. I mean, bro, you're wearing a white shirt right now. You're looking straight up Jack. <laughs> and so, uh, I need to get my, uh, my stew, my, stew, my <laughs>
1: tempo on. training on. Yeah. yeah.
0: That, is that what it is? So you're, you've been doing a lot more tempo training, huh?
1: Yeah. So I started that Instagram account just as a blog, a personal blog for myself, uh, just recording my work and kind of how I think about things. And I do, I have a lot more time to, to like, think about fitness. Like when yeah. I had the gym, I thought about, Business and client acquisition and growth and license models like that was my and if I worked out three times a week I did it in class but that was it and now I have a lot more free time I'm ten workouts a week is a minimum right now and it's not because I feel like I'm not training for anything I just have the time and I'm really enjoying working out again like I'm just I've fallen back in love with fitness and it's it's just been a ton of fun
0: so do you feel like you've been connecting like you've been spending more time. One of the things that I've been trying to do better, and I still do, don't get me wrong, I still love to throttle it. I go in our class, I just throttle it. But one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit more lately is kind of like feeling the muscle I'm trying to develop, sure. feeling the movement I'm trying to work on, whatever that might be, pull-ups, really engaging in the lap better, yeah. planche, et cetera, versus like trying to get the task. Trying
1: to, the yeah, trying to do it for time.
0: Yeah. So instead of being like, oh, the task is a thruster, now it's like, hey, let me move well on this. Let me hit good positions. So oh, yeah. you, is, that, is that one of the things that's really been adjusting with you with tempo training? It
1: is. And so what I do now is essentially just like an individual model of my group model. Our group model was our unique belief in fitness at Urban Movement it was called tempo training. It was done on a group model. So there's a lot of limitations because I, I got people to manage, get them in and out, all that. So on an individual model, there's no limitations. And there are a couple principles are number one, uh, the durations are much longer. I want really long aerobic workouts. I like 60 minute at a minimum long workouts. They always have an upper a lower, a midline, and a conditioning, and I do things like that, so like I do more banded pull ups to these days than i've ever done. Not that I can't do pull ups pull ups are my jam, but i I can't do twenty one strict tempoed five second hold over at the top, five seconds down. I can 't get twenty one of those in without a band, and the band, like you said, allows me to really feel okay. Scaps first, then the biceps come to play. And then I've been, you know, I put in a lot of calisthenics. Have you ever watched guys do strict bar muscle-ups like the prison jack dudes, like bar stars? They don't do pull-ups out here. They do them forward. So I've been yeah. doing a ton of pull-ups where the elbows break in forward, almost like you're holding the barbell in the front rack and pulling down. It's almost like you did a barbell pullover. I mean, it's, it's a whole different animal. It's something I've never did. And I, you know, I started doing crossfit like when you did 06. Yeah. So like, I've been able to play with a lot of different stuff. And, but because tempo is a part of it, that's why the time duration is so long. It takes me longer to move through, you know, the movements because of the tempo. So I need How the longer long is time
0: typical training session, like 90 minutes,
1: 60 to 90 minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I do that yeah. twice a day. You do that twice a day. Twice a day. Bro, that's why you're looking so jacked. So now <laughs> I've got a lot
1: more a lot
0: more free time. <laughs> so now and, and and so when are you getting into jiu-jitsu?
1: Yeah, well, I exactly, right? I've got a lot of buddies knocking on that door. Um we'll see. I I just when I get into something, I go like I get deep deep into it. I mean, I get really into it and I just like Right now, it just, uh, that's just, I don't know. The nice thing about this is because it's still just fitness for me because I'm not training for anything. It's not nothing aesthetic based. It's just like, I'm f- truly enjoying it. I'm kind of just kind of enjoying doing this now. Once it, f- it'll fizzle out at some point. I'll be like, all right, I'm, I'm only going to the gym once today or I'm only going five workouts this week or whatever. It'll fizzle. And then I'll look for that next thing. And I, I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu will probably be that
0: thing. You know, one of the things I think about a lot lately is this idea like you only have so much time. So like, for example, if you want to pick up Brazilian jiu-jitsu and learn Spanish and run a business <laughs> and do fitness, yeah. the problem is I feel like sometimes not only do you feel like you're, you know, drinking of a fire hose and you're just treading water. I feel like you can never develop any level of competency. Now, this is something obviously I feel with uh, our members at the gym and CrossFit too, where CrossFit was all about constantly varied, right? The challenge with constant variance is that there's just a wide breadth of movements you need to become competent in. And I find that same thing in life where if you try and like, you want to, like you said, you want to be, you want to start a new hobby, but sometimes you're almost setting yourselves up for failure because you don't have enough time to actually develop any level of competency. So have you uh-huh. noticed that for yourself? Oh my you God. Kind of, you got to put something on hold and then do something different. You know what I mean?
1: hundred percent, man. I like, uh, so, I mean, everything from train from the workouts and all that, like the thing with CrossFit, because there's so much, so it's everything and everything it is literally, you'll never get enough volume in a typical gym's week programming. Assuming the typical person comes three to four days a week, there's they're never going to see enough volume on a muscle-up or on this, which is why people seek out specialized programming to focus on things. I mean, I probably do the same 20 movements constantly. No, and I, I don't get bored. Like I've never I'm not the kid looking for the Adderall dose of like, oh, I need a new thing. I need a new thing. Like I'm not I just like the same stuff. I like it nice and steady. I don't I don't even know what's on the barbell sometimes. And I mainly go dumbbell. I've like kind of written off the barbell for a period. I've been doing that for 17 years where I was barbell all the time, rarely dumbbell. Now I'm dumbbell everything. There's nothing cooler than doing power cleans with like fucking 80s and like if you've ever really just gripped heavy pair of dumbbells and just used them for everything, like all your snatches. All your everything, just use double arm dumbbells for it. It's a way better exercise than I think the barbell. Way more hypertrophy.
0: Yeah, I, I like them both. I mean, sometimes, you know, the dumbbells, man, those can get gnarly. One of the things that I like doing is I like sandbag and d ball work. Yeah. Um, especially like, dude, you get. You do some like gnarly like sandbag over the shoulders and stuff. Yep. There's, it just feels like really athletic. It feels- It
1: dynamic. does. It, but I think about the contraction. Like when you do, when you grab a D ball, you've got, again, your biceps are engaged, your traps, everything. You're locking this in. Your chest is peaked. With a barbell, it's 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 this and it's pulling over there. It's graceful. So like I was in a group class recently and they're all doing snatches, barbell snatches at uh, 115. And I did double arm dumbbell snatches and I go ahead and I could do them at my hips or I could take my legs wider and kind of come underneath like a kettlebell swing, but double arm dumbbell snatches at 60. So I'm doing 120 pounds, 60 each. They're doing 115, but I mean, I have to, I got to get a bit of that bicep curl. I've got to lock out this, you know, unilateral movement overhead. I mean, what I'm doing, number one, from a pure muscle breakdown, hypertrophy standpoint will always win compared to the barbell. It'll always win. And, you know, from looking better naked and ultimately those guys are like, this position really hurts. My like, guess what doesn't bring it in in here. And it just being right in this position.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot is like, what movements can I do to make me feel better? Look better, yeah. live freely, live fully. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's obviously your training evolves, man. I think that, you know, we need to continue to talk about it because training's involved evolve. Like my training went from trying to be at the top of the podium at the CrossFit games to now just trying to keep up my kids, do that kind of stuff. And then also, you know, I have goals of competing in jujitsu. And so what can I do to put me in a good position to perform well there too, right? That's, yeah. That's,
1: you know, I, I that's get it, man. Out. And it's, you know, I, I joke with people like, what do you do in your workouts? Like, I don't plan my workout until I get to the gym. I'm kind of warming up. I literally write the workout in my head right then and there. And I have my notes yeah. app. I just pumped something out and I just set my, I set my Garmin, boom, I'm good to go. And I hit it. I only do what i want to do because fitness to me is nothing more than something i enjoy at this point it'd be like it'd be like oh man what, what what liquor do you like to drink i'm like i really like bourbon and whiskey well why don't you try to why don't you do this i'm like i don't know because that's what i want to do like yeah. i fit crossfit i think we get into like i have to do this so that i do good at the open
0: yeah 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 hey speaking of which uh, you're not a mezcal guy, huh?
1: No, it's so. Sm- I'm I'm such a pussy when it comes to spicy stuff. The smokiness in there. It's why I don't like scotch as much. Like it's that peat peaty kind of smokiness of the mezcal. I've tried a few cocktails that have it in it. It's okay, but if I'm going doing tequila, it's just probably gonna be a clear blanco type scenario.
0: Dude, there's there's a place uh, near where I live called Sidecar, and they make a drink called the John Wick. And what they do is it's, <laughs> it's, it's like an old fashioned with some additional bitters in it, and they. They smoke like oak or whatever, and they funnel it into the drink. You know, it's so like when you yeah. when you pull the lid off or whatever. It's like oh, all sh- smoke,
1: yeah. That I've yeah. got a full smoking kit for my whiskey, so I don't mind that in a whiskey. I don't mind the taste of it, but something about the actual like the actual liquid tasting or smoky that just uh, like i like it when it smells like it's in the rocks a little like i like that but uh, if i when i come visit i will go up there and i'll I'll give it a go i'll try any liquor
0: you know we need to (laughs) we need to have a whiskey and bourbon uh workout like workout and bourbon uh like i don't know whatever
1: yeah yeah no 100 I'm, i'm all for yes i'm all for incorporating cocktails into the workouts
0: uh you know, shifting gears a little bit. You've been on the road. You've been talking to different gym owners. Yeah. You're obviously out there all the time. You know, we just, we, we were recently rapping about sales and I, I really enjoyed our conversation with Gabe and, and talking. Oh, to that was great. About, I enjoyed that a ton. Um, yeah. And, and so what's, what's been on your mind recently about, you know, gym owners and where you see the industry going? Um, not even necessarily just CrossFit, just, just things like coming yeah. out of the pandemic. Like, I'm curious, I, I feel like there's a resurgence and obviously I, I, I'm, you know, Not no point in ten. Like I'm drinking my own Kool Aid here, where it's like I want there to be a resurgence. So I hope there is one. What are you seeing in the fitness space coming out of COVID? Now that we're here in 2022.
1: Um. So I I I've seen a lot of people bounce back strong. You were sharing some of the numbers and all that NC fits success, NC fits experience bouncing back. I'm seeing a lot of that. One thing I'm getting a lot of people on, and it's you know, it's kind of like you saying, I just started taking reservations, like. That to me, that blows my mind. Like, I was taking reservations in 2012. Like, to me, but I came yeah. from that, like, I came from that world. Right. Um, the utilization of CRMs now, like PushPress has a great CRM. A lot of people are using like different Go high level integrations. Um, they're using things like Close or whatever. But like, I believe in a sales perspective where, where it's going is because boutique is now more well-known and there's now a price point awareness. Previously, and you, were, you and may remember these days, man, people come in here thinking it's a gym, so it's $40 a month. That's not really the case anymore. Thank God for the F45s and the berries and the orange theories who have really made boutique globally and domestically a huge to where yeah. everyone is now kind of preconditioned to a boutique micro gym price point. Even yoga
0: so, spin, whatever, where it's a drop in of 20 or... 30, 40 bucks. I mean, Easily. It's, yeah. It's so now people, anymore.
1: correct. So now it's not like, well, i really got to sell them over the global gym down the street. No, you don't. That's not it. But so that means sales should be done quicker. We're not at e-com level yet. So sales aren't being done via e-com. No one's going to NC fit, you know, the Mountain View location, going on the website, clicking a membership, buying a subscription like I would Netflix, and then showing up the gym like, oh, I bought my membership online. No one's doing that yet. They will at some point. They will, but where we are now is kind of in between where the CRM, the client relationship management software that allows two-way texting, video, audio, all that, it allows two-way phone calls, allows two-way emails, not just blasting everyone. Like I know Wattify, everyone's like, I have a CRM with Wattify and I'll be talking to a new client. I'm like, that's not a CRM fuck face. That is just a one-way blast of a text message, whatever you can engage back and forth. The CRMs are the process for sales now. At Urban, we created what I call like the five-minute close. All the sale was done via CRM, text, email, or phone call. And when they came in, they knew exactly what they came in for. You're here for your free week, right? And at the end of the free week, we're going to talk to you about which membership you're going to want to sign up. But it was all CRM based. Like when people came in, they knew the pricing. They knew how long the free week was. They knew if they signed up before the end of the free week, they got 25% off their first month. So We'd close people by visit two or three. Your goal, if you give away free week is get to three visits in a week. Very high likelihood of closing. Get to yeah. two in a week. Yeah, you're probably about 60, 50. You only come once in a week. You're probably not closing.
0: Yeah, but you get no yeah. in a week. You're, you're, you're definitely not closing.
1: Yeah, no, no, not at all. But so that was the thing is that the CRM, I think, is still a piece of software. Most gyms aren't doing kind of like a lot of gyms aren't taking reservation. Hopefully they hear the like you giving them advice like, hey, I wasn't doing this forever and it's been a game changer for us. Utilizing a CRM is still, I think, the most underused piece of software right now. And that's where the sales happen. Because sales are, you know, closing someone right at the front desk takes a human. That's the other thing with us. We, the five-minute close existed at Urban Movement because I, I didn't want to have payroll where someone just had to sit there to close somebody. Mm. Literally, we wanted it done through the CRM. So when we sell them the membership, like, uh, I, and I'm hoping to get push press to be able to do this, but when they get their free week at Urban, we had different software. They had to put in their credit card, meaning it charged them $0. Right, but that we had their payment information that by the end of class three, the coach will be like, Hey, so what'd you think of class? Oh, it was awesome. So is that 12 times a month membership the one you still want? Yeah, it is. Awesome. Cool. I'm just going to go ahead and add it to your account and I'll have you, I'll send you an email with the doc you sign for the membership agreement.
0: Okay. And thanks. And they could just, because yeah, at that point they already put their credit card in. They already did all that kind of stuff. You know,
1: Amazon, have you been in an Amazon go store where you don't even have to talk to anybody? You just walk in and grab it.
0: Yeah. I've been in there before. Yeah.
1: That experience of, I don't want to deal with it. That's what made Uber beautiful. You didn't have to talk to the guy about his tip. You didn't have to talk about how much it cost. That is the way that people like to have commerce. They like to spend with businesses. They want it simple. They don't want it to be whatever. The price is the price and you just push this button. So that's what CRMs are really allowing people to do if you're using them.
0: Dude, that's an interesting analogy with Uber because you're right. When you would jump in a taxi, first off, <laughs> taxi, I mean, if you were in Mexico, they would just kind of create a, a price. Is, what, yeah. Ever, I, I would always ask when I jump in, like, hey, man, what's the price? I'd always feel awkward. because he'd be like, Yeah, oh, it's, it's an awkward just, conversation. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're in a regular taxi, you see that thing just, Brr. but you're right. Uber, it's a preset. I, no, you totally you get out
1: the car. That was the sales point for Cal, Capra. What was his name? Kalanick. Whatever I watched the Uber documentary, and they they really emphasized that point that one of the things that really sold that first investor, the guy who invested uh, the uh, PayPal guy, uh, they were like, man, he he literally I mean, like it takes all the human interaction, not that you don't want human interaction because there still is, but it takes the awkward human interaction out of it. That's look at dating apps, look at Tinder. You're still human interaction. It just takes the awkward initial human interaction for the most part out of the equation. And that's, I think, that's just a smart thing to do. And we found a ton of success with the five minute close,
0: dude. So I think the CRM. Um, you know, we were just talking to Dan from Push Press actually recently, and I, I, you know, I, I work with all the different member management softwares, and we, you know, I, I think everybody's heart is in the right place. They're trying to provide resources and tools for gym owners to in, in, improve their business. Yeah. And but I think one of the things is the gym owner has to be open to utilizing those tools. And I wanted to just talk briefly about this because. I, one of the things I was talking to before we even started recording was this idea that it's, you know, we need to get more comfortable, obviously with the uncomfortable in fitness. And I think a lot of people are comfortable with that. Maybe in the beginning of their career, they're like, okay, I need to get uncomfortable. So I'm going to go do all these different things. And then maybe over time, like, Hey, look, my fitness journey, I don't, I just want to do what I want to do. But yeah. in business, the unfortunate thing is, is that I think a lot of people, they start off and then they get into their comfort zone. And then it's really difficult to get uncomfortable because especially if things are going like moderately well, you don't want to rock the boat or change things up. And so for us, adding the 10-minute gap in between class, adding check-ins uh, you know, before, or even utilizing software to enhance our business, those were three examples of things that were like, they were the unknown. They were, uh, I was uncomfortable with them. And so even though I knew there was a good business case, I just didn't do it for a long time. Sure. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. And I think gym owners need to reflect and say, hey, what's the business case for doing class reservations? Well, it's this, 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 this. What's the business case for not doing it? There really isn't one. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? But it's just, it's just like your own personal discomfort.
1: Right. Correct, and you get emotionally tied and romantically tied to the way things you learned it or experienced it. Maybe when you were a client or a coach somewhere, and then what you did in your business. That's why you know I had a lot of people. You know, people you and me both know that I you know I would even still consider friends shit on me when I went to the in place model, right? And I got rid of the rig and we were all in one spot. You saw way pre COVID. It was like it's like, but there's a good business case for it. Every yoga every yoga studio and every spin studio in the world in the world makes more money. Per hundred square feet than any CrossFit gym in the world or any micro gym could ever do. Why is that? It's only because of one thing. It's just the in-place model. That's it. Um, and so like if there's a business case for it, I just I hope that like as you do things differently and other people in the space, I think I, I mentioned like Industrious up in us uh, in Washington, and he's doing the in-place model really well. I just hope as people see it, there's less volatile reaction like oh that's not cro- that or that's not crossfit or that's not this or that's not what i do i'm going to shit on it and more curiosity curiosity is the thing that i think is going to make it makes millionaires It, it not you know not uh, con- conceitedness or ego
0: yeah yeah i mean cuz i was curious on to your point with the how many people can you accommodate in a given size what's the max occupancy all those different things but for us i just didn't realize the benefit of systems, systems and processes are not necessarily built into my DNA. I'm kind of like this. I'm all over the place, Sure, but systems and processes, they're there for a reason, especially if you want to replicate your business across multiple locations, especially if you want to streamline the way you onboard new clients and different things. But the check-in process, man, dude, I just, I just never realized it until I realized it. Like if you are not having your athletes check in for classes ahead of time, you're really it, it's going to be a big you know hurdle in the beginning but i promise you if you lose members because of checking into classes they you're probably going to lose that member anyways yeah like, you're not going to lose a member because they don't they don't want to check in for classes what it'll help you do though is it'll help you understand like at our mountain view gym i'll give you a great example pre-covid i'd walk in there sometimes dude and this gym was really pumping and we'd have like 30 people in a class and i'd walk in there and be like dude This is not a good experience this is this is not what we want but then this is too many
1: people is that what you're saying yeah yeah
0: because i mean the space couldn't really accommodate it that well and it became a safety factor but but then some days there'd only be 10 yeah and and some days there'd be 20. and so now i could say hey our class cap is this and it will then disperse it so now you have this solid energy around a variety of classes building up a demand versus one or two that's like 30 or 40 packed, it's been really powerful for our business.
1: It forces you to dial in your unique belief in fitness. And you and me were talking pre-record about like with NCX and like how the you guys have really kind of established a good UBF with this. Because when most p- people listen to like, oh, well, it depends on my programming. And it's like, that's not a way to run the business based on the programming, like what you can expect in attendance that day. So utilization rate is another thing. So for any of the member management software people listening, if you don't have this, and a lot of the big players, do. We have utilization rates. Like I would look at my utilization rates every day. So if you have five classes and 20 people max per class, you have a hundred people you could essentially utilize that. They are a hundred spots that could be utilized. Right. And when we think, and again, we got to break the construct of how we think of the business. There's just so much emotion in, in, in the independently owned micro gym space, which includes CrossFit, I found it and I loved it and it changed my life. And then I left my job and that was really scary. My husband almost divorced me, but we're making do. And when I went and started this gym. There's so much emotion tied into the entrepreneur's journey that me then saying, yeah, but the utilization of coach Tim Every class he coaches has utilization of 40% or less. Is that coincidental when every other class has a utilization rate of 84? But Tim was, he was there with us and he helped us paint the walls. I'm like, yeah, well, Tim fucking sucks. The utilization rate says so, okay? And like, they're like tying data and that takes away from emotion. It makes me seem like a cold hearted bastard. But again, again, you gotta be able to separate the art from the artist, the business from the emotion.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's that's the point I'm trying to make too is like, is like, I, I actually, I wrote this down like, is there a business case? Like, yeah, simple point. And, and I'll, 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 give another example. And, you know, you and I, we could riff about business all day just cause I, I love this stuff and I want to see our industry and gym owners thrive. I really do. I want to see them go out with their family, go out with their team and fuck, you know, put full, you know, stake on the table for everybody. I, I want that to happen. I want, and, and one of the things that like, this is a great example of a business case. I remember early on in my career, I was the only coach at the gym. And just probably like you, you're there from morning till night. And I remember our first class at the time was like at 6 a.m. And it was growing dramatically. There was demand for a 5 a.m. And I remember for a long time, I didn't want to add a 5 a.m. And I didn't want to add it. And I would tell myself, oh, it's because of whatever. But in the reality was, the reason why I didn't want to add it is because I didn't want to get up that early to go coach it because I knew I had a long day ahead. But once I kind of like thought to myself, like this question of, is it good for the business? Yes. Then I have an obligation to go figure out how to make it work. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like it, the, the business has no allegiance to how I feel. It's either yeah. a good business decision or it's not. And if it's a good business decision, how am I going to make it happen? You know what I mean?
1: The three checks is, it does it work for the business? Does it work for the coach? And does it work for the owner? Right. So it's like if it's good for the business, meaning, um, or no, I'm sorry, the, the business, the coach, and the client. Um, and if it's good for the business, like, okay, well, there's another class. I could potentially sell more people. I get some more spots, have higher utilization throughout the week. Good for the coach or the client. Well, the client has more options now. Some people have been asking about it. Is it good for a coach? Well, a coach has to get up early. But if they're in the fitness industry and they're not wanting to get up early, that's a, you know, they can get paid more. There's an additional hour of work potentially on the table. And if you can check the box on all three, that's, that's at least the old school way I always used to think about it way back in the day. Is could I check the box on all three?
0: Uh, is it good for the business? Is it good for the clients? And then, thirdly, is it good for the coaches? So, now what if it just uh, tacked on those? Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I
1: should guess- you. So, there's a, here's a great example of one, right? Yeah. So, um, I went and installed sweat towels. So dry towels when you came in, really nice, very Ritz-Carlton-like. And then we did cold aloe scented towels for people after the workout. And now we had a laundry room that I built out. This was all purposeful, but I mean, we're going through hundreds and hundreds of towels a day. Now, is that great for the clients? Oh, yes, it is. That was my talk trigger. That's what people raved about with Urban Movement. Was it good for the business? It sure was a lot of referrals on that. Was it good for the coaches? Well, let's see. I had my coaches who were all on salary. I had them, you know, I we joked around to like, dude, Stu, I feel like a laundry bitch. Yeah. Like I'm just like, I'm I, doing laundry constantly yeah, yeah, every day. So eventually like if it, it probably only checked two of those, but what can I do to make the, you know, anything you give your employees, you don't want them to do. There's generally a compensation element or coach makes Stu, you could pay me an extra 10 grand a month. I'm not doing another towel. Okay. Well, I can pay this girl $12 an hour, whatever minimum rate wages to come in, or I could pay uh Cintas. I could pay a service to do this, right? So there's a way for you to take it off a coach's plate to now accommodate all three. And, uh, but that, that's an example of one that really, honestly, at the moment, only check two.
0: That's, that's a really, um, that's a good, so we use, like you said, like Cintas or whatever. Yeah. And no, you know, that that's, that's a great piece of information right there like is it good for the business is it good for the members right and then and then the coach because you're right you can outsource it to a coach who wants that we can outsource it to a service or outsource it to an individual who's coming in for that specific thing you know, yes um, the the the, the towel is being a example of that i think um you know this resurgence this utilization of technology i think is going to continue to be with us you know i think that you've seen this people are more familiar now with technology when it comes to fitness utilizing applications utilizing different things and i think that'll continue to be a part of this kind of like hybrid approach where people are in the gym and also out of the gym where do you see that happening for like if you're in the micro gym space and you're one of these you know models how much do you think they need to focus on the brick and mortar versus how much do you think they need to focus on additional digital value because of that hybrid concept
1: I, I think once you, um, you got to have your financial model planned out. So you got to have a certain, like when we hit, when I'm, when I'm making these numbers and these percent, my profits here, my operating expenses are here, my owner pay is here, my payrolls. And when everything's where it needs to be from my financial projections, I can play around in other areas. I made a post yesterday. Like, we don't create second businesses or additional businesses to make more money. If you want to make more money, you do it in your current business. You only add additional businesses or these additional significant revenue streams. I'm not talking about like selling more fit aids. I'm talking like if you're going to take on an additional significant revenue stream, like going digital, right? Or omni-channel. When your current business has met all the expectations, again, let's go coach, client, and business. And uh, you have the bandwidth to do so. Without you have to have both of those. You have to have the bandwidth as yourself, because you're essentially starting a new endeavor. Like any gym here it's like, well, it's, yeah, but I'm pretty much just recording videos and uploading I'm like, no, no no, no, if you think it's just recording videos and uploading them, you are fucking high. It is an entirely new business that you're probably maybe going to keep under the umbrella of your current or set up a separate LLC, but you never do it until your current business has met the expectations, coach, client and business. And you have the bandwidth to play entrepreneur again, because you now have to be a beginner again. You now are back at the bottom of the totem pole. Anyone who's done well brick and mortar and then decided to go do like, how many fucking lumps and learning lessons did you learn trying to go online? And I know you went through two different app versions, and I don't even want to know how many zeros you spent with learning lessons.
0: Oh, dude. You, yeah, a lot. Uh, it, it, hey, you, you said something. I, I'm, I am curious. You said, hey, once you hit certain numbers, what do you see? in the boutique training space of like numbers, like at a high yeah. level, like, like, are we talking 25% return on sales? We talking so yeah, $5,000 a month salary. What do you think is the average salary for a gym owner right now?
1: So salary wise it's hard to, you know, it's all based on your cost of living and where you're at in scenarios. Like I've got gym owners that their actual take-home pay is minuscule. It might be $3,000 a month, but it, All the money is going into some other play, or their husband, their wife brings over. So I, I say it's based off percentages. Like when you look at it, you look at it. You know, your business makes X amount of money per year. So let's call that a hundred percent. So. Let's say the profit of the business is between 10 and 25. If you're in there and you know you have purposely, it's 10 because I want it to be 10 because I want more money out of it. Cool. It's 25 because I want to show the bank that I make a lot of profit because I'm going to buy a building. Cool. But it's somewhere around there. When you look at your payrolls around 45%, That I, I always like to see payroll really high, high means people are going to get paid.
0: Inclusive of the owner operator.
1: Yeah, so there—that's owner's pay. So, it, like, um, I do this off uh, the book profit first for micro gyms that John yeah. Briggs wrote. He has the different buckets. So, it go profit, owner pay. We go uh, payroll, operating expenses, and taxes. Right. So there's so five total buckets, and then your big bucket is your revenue. That's the other count. So if you set these up like check ins, like checking accounts, like that's what I do, that's what they recommend. And you come up with a financial model of what percentage of your total monthly revenue or annual revenue is going into each bucket. And okay, so if I said 45%, it, does 45% get your coaches paid what you believe they should get paid and you have enough staff and you feel comfortable? Uh, not yet, Stu. Okay. Well, is everyone happy? Right. Like is 45% good? We just need to have more revenue coming in so we have more money to play with, or do we need to increase from 45% to 50%? And that's where these things are like, there's no standard answer because it's so unique. Like urban movement, when I was uh, saving up for the building and when I was CrossFit South, profit margin had to stay decently high because I had to show the bank that we're making some money. As soon as I got into my building and I was now playing Mr. Long-Term Real Estate, I dropped that profit margin to like 2 I didn't give a shit, right? I needed all the money to go to payroll because I'm not around. I need these guys happy for what they're doing, and the rest of the money's got to be allocated towards you know the real estate company. And but so like your financial model ebbs and flows. A coach who is just starting off might not have any owner pay. Owner pay is a distribution. There's no like so when we say owner pay, we're talking about a distribution, a non W two compensation event, right? Quarterly, monthly, annually, and then payroll. Debt owner, generally I recommend people starting off W to yourself in a role because you're eventually going to outsource that role. And now that money's there in payroll already. And now you can start taking distributions off what's, you know, made on, you know, off the top. Um, but yeah, an owner in the beating might have like twenty five percent payroll, zero percent owner pay, because they're the only real employee and they're the right. one taking home twenty eight hundred dollars a month or whatever the fuck it may be.
0: Right. Yeah. I like the way you're breaking that down. I wrote that down. Profit first for gym owners. Uh, oh
1: yeah. Mike, Mike, it's profit first for micro gym owners. See, I'm not the only one throwing this word around, Jace. I'm like spreading that word out like wildfire to all these other SMEs. But what John Briggs does and his crew is incredible. What I made less money that? with WTF in 2020 because I couldn't travel and do my events. I took home significant amount more money only because they installed the profit first system and just they just changed my percentages and my, my financial model for my online business around. And I took home significantly more money.
0: Profit first for micro gym owners. Okay. I got that. I like what you're talking about with the buckets. And I like the way you're breaking this down. You know, I think one thing that gym owners need to recognize is that when they, they, when they say, hey, our business makes 100 grand a year profit, well, it's like, yeah, but is that inclusive of your, uh, if you are coaching classes, if you're operating, um, what is your salary? Is that inclusive or exclusive of that? And I think that's yeah. important to know, you know, from and why one, do you need profit. Paying yourself something. What's that? Think about like
1: a lot of people yeah. like you got to have profit. No, you don't. You don't have to. If you have plans that are like, I need to actually take as much cash out of here. Let's say, um, you've really been dogging it on your HR side. You haven't really, you've only been hiring part-timers and energy exchange. You're like, all right. I'm going to start withdrawing profit. I'm going to take profit from 25% down to 10. And with that extra 15%, I'm deploying it to my payroll. My payroll was originally at only 20% of my total monthly revenue. It's now going to 35. So I can start paying people more. And I'm not going to increase my profit um, number again until I'm happy with well, who's getting paid and what they're getting paid. And they're happy as well. And then I'll go back to stacking profit. But it just it, they're just dials on the business. You turn some up down as long as it all adds to 100%. That's the only math you really got to worry about.
0: Yeah. Dude, I, I, Hey man, I know you got a hard stop. I, uh, I appreciate your time all the time. I love riffing with you on the business of fitness. I, I get, you know, and even before we started recording, you know, like there's always things that I'm learning, you know, as talking to gym owners, but dude, I mean, just because we own and operate gyms, there's not, doesn't mean that we can't learn from other gym businesses, which I think you could do a great job of exposing yourself to more and more and more. Cause sometimes I feel like I am, even though I'm not Sometimes I do feel like I'm in the business too much and I need to get outside to open my mind, open the concepts and talking to you helps me do that because we could talk about other, other micro gyms like the orange theories of the world who are doing something we could learn from them. So anyways, man, I just always appreciate talking to you when you come out next, or when I come out one day to see you, we got to get some, uh, we're going to call it like the, the bourbon and. Bourbon bur-
1: and we'll one. do bourbon and burpees or bourbon. Yeah, we'll do oh. something. We'll we'll get something together.
0: Oh, dude, bourbon. and Hey, have you ever done that? A uh, hundred shots of beer, like one pull up, one shot of beer.
1: Every no, minute? I've done beer miles. I've, I've done beer miles. I've never done the hundred shots of beer with pull oh, ups dude. and shit.
0: Yeah, I did a shot of beer every minute and pull up a minute for a hundred minutes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's not that bad.
1: Though. We okay. do uh, tempo and tequila or something like that. Oh,
0: tempo and tequila. <laughs> there you um, go. Well, dude, obviously I'll, uh, I'll add some, um, notes in the, in the podcast show notes, uh, for everybody listening, you know, Stu, he's been around the space for a long time, has a lot of really cool information that he puts out on a regular basis. Make sure to hit us up on social, check out all of the other podcasts we have going on. I know Stu's got his going on and, uh, yes, yeah, Stu, hope you have a great week. Keep crushing it. Any final, uh, last minute thoughts?
1: No, man. It just, it's always a blast popping on and talking shop with you, dude. And, uh, yeah, we'll do it again soon.
0: All right, brother. Talk to you soon.